Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. All right, ladies, we have a wonderful treat for you today. We get to interview Jaren Soloff, registered dietitian and international board certified lactation consultant. But the best part of all of that is she's also the author of the postnatal cookbook, which just released in December. And we get to introduce you to her and also hear a little bit about her book, her background and what that means for all of you. So, Darren, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, so our audience can get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you both. I might tell you a little bit about my family and um, just a little bit about me and then a little bit about how I got into where I'm at, if that's okay. Definitely. Yeah. So I live in um, San Diego, sunny San Diego, which is wonderful. And we're jealous. Jealous over here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know, especially now during winter. Um, And I have one nine-year-old daughter, um, a wonderful fiance, and we have an adorable chihuahua. Her name's Chloe. So (laughs) that's our little family. Um, And I practice as both a dietitian as well as a board-certified lactation consultant and really got here just as part of my own journey. Um, I had my daughter very young and had a huge interest in nutrition really as part of my own journey, struggled with a lot of disordered eating and just had a really tough relationship with food and body image um, just throughout, you know, adolescence and young adulthood. And after having my daughter just felt such a huge need to ensure that I was really protecting her from diet culture and had an experience breastfeeding and just found like the nutrition aspect there so powerful and, and so healing. So um, that's how I got where I'm at now. I finished my dietitian credential and went on to specialize in um, lactation and did some more training for my IBCLC um, and really integrate both of those into my practice now as well. So the women you serve, the clients you work with, where are they typically, you know, are they pregnant? Are they postpartum? Are they all of the above? Mm-hmm. Great question. They are typically coming to me in postpartum um, and primarily for lactation. So any concerns around um, breastfeeding. However, there is usually a combination of like some feeding concerns and also maybe some like diet or nutrition questions that really go along hand with it. So I'm really seeing them in that fourth trimester after birth. Okay. So if you don't mind, I would love for you to expand a little bit. I know you went over it briefly, but when we spoke um, before the interview and everything, you had a little more detail involved with your your youth and what that mm-hmm. looked like for you and kind of how that led into why it was so important for you to create this resource for mothers, and including this, this cookbook. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So let me dive in a a little bit more and and share about my story. I mean, 
I alluded to having um, disordered eating. And for me personally, it was really a full-blown eating disorder diagnosis. And um, that's part of the work that I did prior to being in my practice was really supporting individuals um, struggling with food and body image. And um, that's really what was the passion and feel for my practice was just seeing the connections around you know, struggling to know how to really like nourish myself and thinking about how moms after birth, um, there's so much vulnerability there and it can be so difficult to care for ourselves and now care for um, this little human if we've struggled to really be compassionate towards ourselves and our food and body. So it's part of this, you know, connection and Part of the motivation for my practice name Full Circle is about, you know, when we as the parents really are able to heal our own journey with food and body image, um, it has such a protective impact on our children. Um, and there's so much that really gets brought into that feeding relationship, um, whether you're able to breast or chest feed your baby or not, um, just what you're able to bring into that and really kind of set the stage for them to hopefully not have any part of what's been part of my journey or lots of individuals journeys of um you know struggling with with food and body image yeah thank you so much um i i wanted you to kind of touch on that a bit because i know for sure that Mm -hmm. you are not the only woman that deals with this and so i know that we have listeners however many of them that have this problem and i think if we can even reach that one that might be listening and looking for you know somebody else that they can relate to in a better way uh then then we want to be able to offer for them that. So thank you for being open with us about about your your past. We appreciate that. Absolutely. And I'll just touch real quick too on a little bit of what I found not only in my personal experience but also in my practice is that postpartum um is one of the most vulnerable times for someone who might be in eating disorder recovery. So, you know, even if it had been years since you have struggled in that way, um, you know, those old thought patterns and behaviors can really surface during the postpartum time, which, you know, I think makes a ton of sense. There's tons of hormone shifts. You are so vulnerable. You're sleep deprived. Um, So it's a really big risk factor um, during that time as well. So really important. I I would say... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I would say yeah. that's even true for women who don't necessarily struggle with this. I feel Absolutely. like this is not something that I struggled with prior to, and not that I went through necessarily eating disorders, but body image issues big time mm-hmm. because I was a tinier girl and then I took on all this weight and then you have your baby and it's just sitting there and it is, it's not a comfortable place to be for a lot of women. And so being kind to yourself or learning how to love yourself and treat yourself correctly with what you're putting into your body and the exercise that you're doing and what you're saying about your yourself even in your mind I think is really crucial. I think it's hard for women because we're seeing our body in a completely new way especially if this is your first baby that you've never seen it before and um, I know for me I didn't really struggle with my with my pregnant body because there you know I have this cute little bump Mm -hmm. and (laughs) hey I just went up a cup size and that's always kind of fun right Mm -hmm. Um, but then postpartum I felt like you know I um, I don't want to say that I didn't have anything to show for it. I had this beautiful little baby, of course. But, you know, if I'm at myself at the grocery store, by myself at the grocery store, people don't know that I just had a yeah. baby. They don't mm-hmm. know. And I, I think it's kind of learning to 
look at yourself and have love and gratitude and compassion for that body. And that can be a challenge, I think, for everyone across the board. Um, So shifting the mindset from what do I look like to what do I feel like and how am I showing love for my body in, in this state that it's in in this fourth trimester now, not withholding that love until some later date when our body looks the way we want it to again, but but giving it love now and showing that love through how we nourish and take care of our body, I think is important. Absolutely. Yeah, and this, this is actually why uh, you guys know we're kind of picky about who we invite to be on the podcast just because we want our message to be clear across the board um, and, and really loving on the women that we teach. And so, Jaren, when I read, uh, when your book was sent to me and I was able to read that introduction, I called Courtney and I was like, she, she's this it. is it. Yeah. Like how you speak about women, how you speak to women, your philosophy, I think a lot of that matches for us. And so I know it's really going to touch our listeners today. So I'm so excited you're here to be with us. Thank you. Oh, I'm so honored to have been a guest and that we're in alignment in that message. It's so important to me to just have those core values and have that be a tenet of the work. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. (laughs) So in your book, you talk about a 40-day period of nourishing a mother postpartum. Um, Can you tell us why that's so important? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So we've probably heard, you know, this like the first 40 days is really what it's termed. And I think we're hearing about it more. There's been um, some great research and some great articles that have come out about how that period of rest after birth can have not only huge physical impacts in healing after birth, but also huge impacts in, you know, the mental and spiritual impacts of women healing after birth. So part of the research that I did when I was, you know, researching what are some of the nutrition principles that I can bring into these recipes for postpartum um, showed that most cultures, primarily non-Western cultures, have this 40 days of rest. Um, the time period can vary somewhat depending on the culture. However, the tenet remains the same that the mother is really cared for, not only with food and nourishment, um, but also just the day-to-day task. I mean, laundry, cleaning, other children. Can you imagine like having help with that when your baby (laughs) comes and having someone um, available to support you with all of that? So um, those are huge pieces that really impact a mother's healing after birth, just logistically, because there is support. And the other tenet that I found that was, I think, so fascinating and so impactful was there's just this idea of honoring the mother after birth, which I think is such a huge gap in what we have here in like yes. Western culture is, you know, we, and we were talking about body image, right? It's like, it's acceptable to have our bodies change during pregnancy. But as soon as we have that baby, when are you going to lose the baby weight? Or like, are you going to get your body back? Or, um, you know, breastfeeding will help you have the weight come off. And it's like, whoa, like I just went through this huge physical spiritual transformation of becoming a mother and, you know, really holding space and honoring that. So it's this amazing rest period um, and nourishment that happens in other cultures that we really don't have in postpartum care. Well, I think we should change that culturally. I'm on board. Like I think every mom's on board. I feel like there's, um, I feel like our society and our communities and our families would rally around us and, and allow us that that period of healing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And part of, you know, this solution is 
being able to change some of these systemic structures, right? So many mm-hmm. of these other cultures have structures um, like paid family leave or, um, you know, partners and close family nearby in a different way than we have here. So yeah. there's a lot of systemic and like structural changes that really have to happen, bef- you know, to get down to that like nuclear family. Um, but it's it's such a critical piece. So I hope that we can make the shift as well. Yeah, and I think the more that we talk about it, I mean, I didn't even know it was a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the more that I read about it, the more it becomes normal and natural for us to hear. Then I, I hope that, yes, we see that shift, that we understand how sacred and special that time for mothers really is. Absolutely. And taking care to plan for it. I'm seeing a little bit more about, right. you know, yeah. we have of course, we have birth plans, we have, you know, these courses to prepare us for birth, which is so important, but also really paying attention to planning for postpartum. Um, I think that's where most mothers arrive to and are kind of at a loss of like, whoa, like, I didn't expect that I was going to have to like prepare for this in this way. Yeah, right. I, I know for me, I personally found postpartum kind of overwhelming, um, especially when we were welcoming baby number three, baby number four. <laughs> like I've got, I, you know, I've got to try and get these little ones fed and take care of myself and take care of this new baby. And we're doing it all on very little sleep. And so I, I think that can often be overwhelming. And so I, I love your book as a resource for helping to sort of um, simplify that a little bit and, mm-hmm. and a gentle reminder that you don't have to do everything. You can focus on just a couple of things. Yes. So, um, so what advice would you give to overwhelmed mothers? Um, or what would you do to help them prevent that overwhelm in regard to eating healthy and preparing meals and things? Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, I think, common question of, you know, wanting to be mindful of our nutrition and of course, do everything we can do to support our babies. But I think we really forget about taking care of ourselves in that process and knowing how connected that is to us being able to take care of our baby. Um, so what I work with clients on is just step by step, um, these gradual changes. And I think, you know, we hear that, but like really like taking that in and digesting it and I think postpartum is one of those seasons of life where, you know, maybe you're kind of actively working in your life before and like, okay, yeah, I'm going to slow down. I'm just going to, you know, take it step by step. But like postpartum will humble you. Like you have to <laughs> slow down. There is no choice. Um, so and you really have to meet yourself where you're at. So um, that's a huge piece of it. And I also really emphasize specifically when it comes to, you know, nutrition and wanting to focus on our health that our stress response can actually backfire on our health goals. So, um, you know, we have a hormone, cortisol, and if you are so preoccupied with, you know, procuring and preparing food and being really hypervigilant over your intake and planning, um, I mean, that is not going to be supportive just in your nervous system and health overall. So, you know, let's talk about practical ways that, Yes, we can prioritize nutrition, but that are going to be simple and doable um, for you to be able to execute because otherwise um, we're just kind of running in circles and we're not getting to what we really want, which is, you know, feeling better and supporting our health. Yeah. So what are some of those practical tips then that you that you like yeah, to give I, right. moms to prepare. I think mm-hmm. we get a lot of this. I'm I'm so overwhelmed. Like you're telling me like, you know, get up for the day 
get outside and, and um, make sure to get 20 minutes of outside time or take a walk or mm-hmm. make sure that I've eaten my food or taken my prenatal bite. And women that are overwhelmed are like, I am struggling to get out of bed. Like even that list gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are some of those practical next step? Could you give us like a, this is what I tell them to do first and then mm-hmm. this and then this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I think it, it is going to depend on where the individual's at. So, I mean, I can give some general ideas, but you know, a mom who's struggling to get out of bed, I would say, okay, what are the two top priority things that you need to do today, right? You need to take care of yourself. Like let's eat every three to four hours, which across the board, I would say is, is one practical tip. And okay, to remember that, like, can we set timers on our phone? Um, do you need your partner to be able to prompt you to remember to feed and nourish yourself? Um, and then, you know, do you need to get outside for 10 minutes? Um, and what support do you need to kind of make that happen? And and just kind of having that, that planning. So I guess the hope would be that we're kind of creating this postpartum plan in advance, right? Or from the beginning of like, here's my two or three essentials. Like for me personally, or during that time period, it was like, I do need to get outside. I need to make sure that I'm eating consistently. So my blood sugar is stable because otherwise I'm going to get hangry and I'm going to get irritable. Um, <laughs> you know, and problems I, I, that are small suddenly seem a whole lot bigger when your <laughs> blood mm-hmm, sugar is low. Exactly. And I think for many of us, like, like it's this like mental load of motherhood that's not seen, right? Like, okay, I need to schedule that follow-up appointment. I need to like throw that load of laundry in. I need to, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. So, okay, if I can't get those tasks done, like who is someone who can I can delegate to or have some support with? So those are just some of like the basic things that I would really cover as part of the self-care. But specifically when it comes to nutrition, like those practical steps would be, you know, sitting down and like planning meals for the week, right? Or taking an inventory of your pantry so you know what's on hand or ordering groceries online. Um, Just some of these really simple steps that can help provide support throughout the week. I love that. And I have to say, I feel like um, one of the blessings that came from COVID was that so many of these uh, grocery pickup services, they're free. Um, I know places that will do delivery for free if it's over a certain amount. Um, I use that all the time and it's been a huge lifesaver. And I also Mm -hmm. find myself, because I'm not active the store being tempted by all kinds of things that aren't quite as nourishing for my body. I'm not chucking, you know, the M&Ms in the cart and stuff like that. So um, I feel like it saves time. It saves me from making um, food choices that I don't like labeling them good and bad anymore, but that are more nourishing or less nourishing. Um, One of the questions that we got from our Instagram followers that I thought was so good, I want to know this too. What are some really good, super nourishing freezer meals that you recommend that moms maybe prepare while they're pregnant or have other people prepare for them? Mm -hmm. What are some things that you recommend there? Yes, I love freezer meals for prepping for postpartum. And I know, you know, kind of being in that like nesting stage before that's part of getting ready um, and having some of those meals available. I have several recipes in the postnatal cookbook. Um, I would highlight just as a general category overall that soups and stews tend to work really well just in terms of their ability to freeze. Um, you can make a large amount um, and it's going to feed you for, you know, several different meals and they can usually be a great combination of 
beans and vegetables, warming spices, um, temperature wise, you know, they're going to be served warm. So those are some of the different tenets that in researching the different practices about postpartum nutrition that can be really healing and supportive during postpartum. So I really love some great soup and stew options. And I have a few in the cookbook. Um, I have a white bean soup, a split pea soup. I did like an African peanut stew and of course a chili Ooh. recipe. <laughs> yeah. So some really the, great for, yes, combinations. For, for listeners, the recipes look amazing. Like on top of everything else, they're like easy, they're well put together, they're nourishing, but then they look like they're super delicious too. So thank you. Yeah. It has to be tasty, of course, and, yeah. and super simple. So <laughs> comfort food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some great options. I also, you know, think of options um, for protein because proteins typically tend to take the longest to prepare. Um, if you think about like, you know, if you're a non-vegetarian, like, oh, I forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer. Like now what am I going to do for dinner? Um, it can be such a barrier. So having some of those, um, you know, batch cooked and frozen, I have some like breakfast turkey patties to do like breakfast sandwiches with, or meatballs, you know, turkey or beef, um, can be really great options to use for different meal staples as well. Okay, I have to ask, are you like an Instant Pot kind of girl? Like when you mentioned Mm. the soups and like freezing that, I'm like, boom, Instant Pot, 20 minutes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I don't have an Instant Pot, which I know is crazy because I think every single dietitian has an Instant Pot. I have an air fryer, so I'm like kind of there. We just got that for Christmas. Yeah, but you know, I am, I think my tool is the slow cooker, especially for postpartum. Mm. Um, And what you can do with some of these freezer meals too, it was soups and stews is like you can freeze them, thaw them out, and then you can put them in the slow cooker. I find that just even like having it set and done. So in the afternoon or early evening, you have something that's like warm and ready to go can be so, so, so helpful. So I love, I think the Instant Pot would be great. I think the slow cooker is also my friend as well. I love slow cookers and I'm sure this is everybody across the board, right? But because I feel like my evenings can be sort of unpredictable. I don't know if something's going to come up, the baby's going to start to get fussy and colicky at 5 Mm p.m. But you know, hey, it's 10 a.m. right now and everything's quiet and kind of peaceful and I can chuck some stuff in a pot right this (laughs) minute, you know? So I love it for that reason. I had kind of a weird question that just popped into my mind. You know how there's like um, superfoods for different conditions, right? Like these are heart healthy foods. Um, you know, celery is really great for whatever. Are there like some superfoods for postpartum, um, things that are just particularly nourishing, helping your body return, helping with those hormones? Are there any particular foods that, you know, they can maybe incorporate that would be super helpful during this time? Mm-hmm. It, it's a wonderful question. And I think part of it is just really kind of unpacking like this idea of superfoods, which, you know, I think of it's it's changed over the years, if you think about it, right? Like there yeah. used to be these lists that came out and it was like, oh, well, one year it's blueberries and the next year it's like acai <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, well, is the other one not a superfood yeah. anymore? Um, right. <laughs> you know, but I think it's important to emphasize that like the superfoods tend to be foods that are really high in what's known as antioxidants, right? Which can mm-hmm. um, help reduce inflammation in our body, which, you know, you just went through birth and there's a level of healing that has to happen. There's tissues that are being healed. Um, There are hormones that are fluctuating. So any diet that has, you know, a a good dose of antioxidants um, and overall just a balanced diet is going to be supportive during postpartum. 
There's no specific, like, these five foods that are going to be stellar during postpartum. Um, <laughs> just because part of having a, a great, you know, nutrition diet during postpartum is really having that variety. So if you're only eating blueberries and acai, you're not getting the other spectrum of vitamins and minerals from all the different fruits and vegetables, um, especially because they can vary based on the season too. So yeah. oh, it's a, true. it's a yeah. wonderful question. Um, but you know, I think we love to get little sound bites like that of like, Oh, this is the, the great superfood. <laughs> and like, this is going to totally make me rock postpartum. Um, but really most of the moms that I work with, are already doing so much of that. Um, maybe there's some tweaking we can do with like, let's maybe boost some antioxidants. Thing. Yeah. A mindset thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have to ask, um, and it kind of moves into this, I feel like, but one of, so we had like, that was one of our most asked questions when we reached out to the community and asked him. The second one was, what are the best foods to help support healthy lactation and increase supply? And I know mm-hmm. maybe that can be a little more specific to a breastfeeding mother postpartum, but maybe there are some things, cause I, we know about fenugreek and some of these other supplements that help increase. So are there foods that do that? Mm-hmm. Right. And and fenugreek and different herbs are definitely a category of there are some herbs that can be helpful. But I think really putting on my lactation consultant hat here is there really is no food that is going to solve a supply issue. And I, I say that because there are absolutely foods and nutrition that are going to be so supportive. Um, but oftentimes with supply, you know, we have to get to the root cause of the issue. Um, so I always want to address that first. And it's also really dependent on, you know, frequency of feedings and breasts being emptied. And so it really comes down to more of that lactation science. There's no specific foods that you can eat that are going to specifically increase your supply. There are some herbs that can be helpful, but if you're not, you know, and we say emptying the breasts because that tells your body to make more milk, if you're not doing that often enough, then no amount of lactation cookies is going to be able to help your supply. As amazing as they are, they're delicious. Eat as many, you know, that sound good to you. (laughs) Um, But we have to be doing both. We got to be finding the root cause of concerns around supply. And we have to make sure that just the lactation, we call it the feedback loop, is telling your body to make enough milk. So, you know, there's there's that piece. And in terms of the, you know, foods that can be a little bit more specific to lactation, I would just emphasize again, having a really balanced diet of carbs, protein, and fat. I talk about this model um, in the postnatal cookbook um, and not eliminating or restricting any foods um, is really important to just getting not only supporting mom's diet, but also making sure your breast milk has everything it needs as well. I think it's hard because I I was the mom that had super colicky babies and immediately your thoughts go to, at least that's what I was brought up to think, what am I eating that's (laughs) making this baby so miserable? Mm -hmm. And you do start to eliminate foods or food groups like, oh, I I can't have dairy anymore because that's going to be one of the major culprits. And um, so are are you, with your IBCLC hat on, are you (laughs) advising that women don't do that? Like don't cut out stuff if you've got you know, a high crier or a super fussy baby, or how often is that really the cause of things like that? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, your experience of going immediately to your diet is what I see so often in practice. And I think just as mothers, like we take so much responsibility for, you know, like, is this creating a behavior or something in my, my baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's something that I'm eating. 
And it's just kind of always our first hunch. And um, what we've found is that the incidence is actually really, really low. Um, it's like 0.5% of babies actually have a cow's milk protein intolerance. Wow. Um, not to invalidate anyone who's in that 0.5% because it's a really, you know, can be challenging experience to have an infant that needs some restrictions in the diet. Um, but it's just a lot lower than we're taught to believe. Um, and I think that's because we take so much accountability. So, you know, when I'm working with a mom, um, of course I want to like, let's look at the symptoms because if we're talking about my baby's fussy, I'm wondering if it's something I ate, um, you know, what's kind of within the spectrum of normal with infant fussiness, right? Mm -hmm. Or is there an oversupply issue or is baby holding a lot of tension in their body? Because that can cause a lot of like gas or discomfort or um, changes in stool patterns. So, um, you know, I always want to make sure we're doing a really careful evaluation. We're going to rule out other pieces. Um, and then if symptoms are still going, then we can absolutely take a look at the diet and see if it would be helpful to identify if there's any triggers. But I'm just always really protective over moms not being more restrictive when their diet than they have to yeah. be um, and making sure we can actually find the root cause of it too. I mean, I would never want to put a mom on a, a diet that's restrictive of dairy or soy and come to find out it was because she actually had an oversupply issue. Um, yeah. It just can take such a mental toll on moms to have to have these restrictions and it's really anxiety provoking. I mean, to feel like something Later. you're eating yeah, yeah. could hurt your baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or just like you said, if you already have, or if you have a newly found, you know, issue with putting food into your body in the first place, mm -hmm. then, then having an issue with like, and now I'm harming my baby with it. I mean, it's just, compounding. Yes. It's cruel Awful. when you think about it. <laughs> exactly. So, so my takeaways, I mean, I've had a lot so far, but Moms need to be eating a variety of foods. They need to be making sure that um, when they sit down, they have a meal, they have a snack, that we're trying to make sure there's um, a fat, protein, carb component to those. Um, I love that. I Me too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. In fact, it's something that we tell our moms to do postpartum, which I wish somebody would have told me to do, is to create like a little snack place, wherever you're going to be breastfeeding, wherever that could be, mm -hmm. have a little cooler or a snack basket or whatever, something where you can be, you know, because as soon as you sit down and breastfeed, how much are you like, oh man, I wish I would have grabbed hungry. that, whatever. Yes. <laughs> and then you're stuck there for 30 minutes and you can't yep. get a snack. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love that you're including all of that. That's awesome. So how do you recommend, because you talked about meal planning, how do you recommend writing a grocery list, a shopping list? Because many of us have a budgeted amount to spend on food each month, or we're trying to trim this budget where we can. So what are your tips for creating a healthy meal plan on a budget? Well, I say it, you always have to have a plan as much as possible. I mean, I think we've all had the experience of like going into a grocery store and spending $150 or whatever it is and coming home and being like, okay, what the heck do I make with all of this? <laughs> I can make one meal. <laughs> yeah. I can make one or two meals and, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to kind of get us through the week. So um, I think it's important and it doesn't have to be so detail oriented. I mean, I do what's called loose meal planning and I teach that to my clients too. Um, so, 
you know, I personally kind of sit down at the beginning of the week. It doesn't have to be a Saturday or Sunday, but a lot of us, that's when we have a little bit more free time or partners might be home. Um, And I just kind of map out meals for the week. So I go over some general ideas based on what I might have already in my pantry or different protein options in my freezer. And I might look for some inspiration in cookbooks I have or on Pinterest. Sometimes I'll just throw different recipes um, onto a board of like meal planning that I can look back on if I'm feeling like I need some inspiration. Mamas, wouldn't that be a good thing to do while you're sitting there breastfeeding, right? Like do what Darren is saying, like create it right then and there. You have the time, go for it, right? Right. And there's just ebbs and flows, right? There's times where I can't even think like, I don't know what sounds good. And there's times where I'm like, oh, I can make this and this and this. And like, you know, you're a little bit more inspired. So it's nice just to have a board you can just kind of pull from. I also encourage clients to think about trying theme meals. Um, This kind of works well if you're feeling a little stuck too. So having, for example, you know, Monday is Asian themed cuisine night. Tuesday Mm. is Mexican. I need Um, to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesdays are leftovers or we call it build your own adventure. Uh, You know, everybody doing what they want. So having those categories can sometimes make it easier. And I found too that when you're having like, for example, like um, an Asian night and maybe you bought some of the ingredients that kind of fit under there. If you arrive on that night and you're like, oh, I'm not feeling the stir fry, but I am feeling, you know, fried rice. That sounds really good. They usually have the similar ingredients and you can kind of pivot in the moment. That's a really good idea. I love that. Um, Okay, so I want to, I definitely want to make sure that we have a little more time to talk about your book and what's included in it. Um, And so something that I wanted to know, like, do you have a favorite recipe in the book or like a favorite comfort food recipe? Or is there something that you're like, this was like so fun? You have to to try. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because I hadn't really even thought of that. Um, There were so many recipes that I had so much fun with um, in creating the book, but one that I make over and over again that's part of my repertoire is the white bean stew that I have in the book. Um, The recipe that I put in there actually has chicken, and I make several different variations of it in my house, but especially right now because it's a little bit colder. Um, mm-hmm. there's just something about like the white beans and you can add like different types of greens In the book I use kale, but right now like rainbow chard is really beautiful. Um, there's just collard greens you can use and then topping it with some fresh Parmesan cheese. It's just super, Ooh, super cozy yeah, and really so yummy. <laughs> yeah. You know what? New plan. Instead of us making these and trying them, why don't you fly here? We'll, <laughs> we'll give honest reviews of them step by step. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, they're they're really wonderful meals to it just has really great flavor and it's just super cozy, especially, you know, postpartum to have. So that's one of my favorites. And um, my favorite comfort food recipe is kind of along the same lines, which is, I mean, really anything pasta um, Mm. or soups and stews. Like I love like a warm super stew with like a crusty bread and like that Parmesan cheese. It's just one of my go-tos that's really cozy. You're making me hungry right now. (laughs) (laughs) What is lunchtime? So, Darren, um, you sent us a copy of your book. We read through it. We loved it. Like Steph said, that's one of the reasons why we we selected you and we're very selective to be a guest on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more what's included in the book? What are they going to find when they get it? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So, you know, I was asked to author the 75 recipes and just kind of 
like author, this just cookbook. But I think just being the person that I am, I was like, well, I have to take this opportunity to write a little bit about the nutrition piece. Um, and then of course I was going to, you know, expand on a little bit more of like what is important for specifically postpartum nutrition. So I, in the beginning of the book, walk readers through, you know, what actually happens in our bodies after birth, um, you know, and how can our nutrition needs vary depending on what type of birth we have, which I, you know, previously, yeah, I wasn't able to find a ton of information. But if you think about um, a mom who has a cesarean section, I mean, we're talking about like a major abdominal surgery, we're having tissues healing. Um, so there's some different nutritional needs that can happen depending on the type of birth that you have that can be supportive. So I go over that piece. And then a little bit about the model we were speaking about, about, okay, carbs, protein, fat, and how can you actually build that? And what does that really practically look like throughout your day? Um, I also included a section on supporting mental health. That's something that I'm so passionate about making sure that we're supporting moms in not only um, just feeling better, but identifying or preventing any symptoms of postpartum depression or anxiety with food. Yeah, I love that you included that because we're big on that too. We think it's crucial. Yeah, thank you. It was really important to me to include, and there's a lot of different pieces of nutrition that can be really supportive. Um, and the last part is a note about dieting postpartum, um, which is don't do it. Um, and that's just <laughs> part of my background, you know, supporting individuals, healing their relationship with food. And as we spoke about, you know, it doesn't mean it's just don't diet if you have a history of an eating disorder, but you know, there's a whole spectrum of most of us have engaged in diet culture in some way, right? And right. Yeah. you know, it can be a vulnerable time regardless of whether you've had a full-blown diagnosis or not. Um, so how can you still be mindful of your nutrition without, you know, counting calories or going into that restrictive black and white kind of place? So I walk moms through how to incorporate that philosophy. Sorry, Sorry we both like opened our mouths and we're like, who's talking? <laughs> go ahead, Steph, you're good. Okay, thank you so much for diving a little deeper into that. Like I said, we've read the book. We love it. I am anxious to get some of these recipes underway, honestly. So very excited about it's called that. called the Postnatal Cookbook. Postnatal so. Cookbook. And we're going to put a link. Not only will we put a link in this week's blog post, if you are a subscriber to our emails, you'll also get the link in there. Um, but we're also going to include it on our Instagram feed this week too. So at My Essential Birth. Um, and following into that, Jaren has been incredibly generous, and she's actually giving a free download to every single one of our listeners, um, and that in, it's going to include some recipes for you guys, some information, and actually, Jaren, will you tell us a little bit about this freebie that you're giving to everybody? Okay. So I wanted to make sure that I included a sample of the recipes, just like I would want to see and make sure that there weren't a million ingredients, um, that it was going to be something that would be really doable in my kitchen. So I have five free recipes for you to try out and just make sure that, um, you know, they're within your alley and it sounds doable for you. And then I also included an excerpt on the nutrition component of supporting mental health postpartum and supporting lactation as well. Thank you so much. You guys, we're so excited for you guys to get this freebie. So again, if you just check out our podcast notes, you'll go to myessentialbirth.com slash podcast. It'll be the most recent one. You can scroll to the bottom and get that download. Um, That'll also put you on the email list to be able to receive all of our free downloads that we do anytime we do a podcast. So thank you so much for that. 
Absolutely. I'm so excited to just get it in the hands of moms and excited to share it. Now, you guys, if that wasn't good enough, Jaren has also donated a complete copy of her physical book, The Postnatal Cookbook, for one of our lucky listeners this week. So here's how you enter that giveaway. You're going to leave us a review in iTunes this week and shoot us an email with your reviewer name. That's how you get entered to win a copy of The Postnatal Cookbook. So we will announce that winner at the beginning of next week's podcast and have it sent to you that week. Now, if you're not sure how to leave a review, you're going to go and find the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast on Apple Podcast. You're going to scroll down to ratings and reviews, click on write a review, and make sure to leave us a written review for the show. That's how you get your entry. Okay, and we wanted also our listeners to know where to find you. So maybe they want some one-on-one health advice. Maybe they're looking for um, an online IBCLC appointment. If that's something that you're offering to anybody out there, and I know that that because of COVID and stuff, this is kind of awesome because Zoom or other video chat apps allow you to be able to do that even over the phone. Will you let them know where to find you, please? Yes, of course. So my website where you can find a little bit more about me and my services um, is full circle. So it's F-U-L-L and then circle is C-R-C-L dot co. And you can also find me really actively on Instagram. I do a lot of mini lessons and quick tips and tutorials um, at full circle the full CRCL and then just a underscore as well. So try to provide some quick tips if you're scrolling through your feed while you're feeding a baby. And um, so <laughs> I'd love to see you there. And um, I am providing primarily virtual lactation consult- consultations, um, not just for clients in California. Um, but since telehealth has become so paramount, I'm able to do prenatal consultations, which I always highly recommend preparing um, before your baby comes, if you're planning to breastfeed. Um, and then also of course, postpartum lactation consultations, as well as nutrition counseling. I love it. Jaren, you are an amazing, valuable resource. Thank you for being on here today and for showing up for our listeners and giving them helpful tips on how they can really nourish their body postpartum. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. I'm so glad that I was chosen and selected. I know you both have such a a great repertoire of, of experts, so I just so appreciate the community you both have. Our pleasure. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you. 